Hi, welcome to another episode. I hope that all is well with you. And today we are going to look at Cain and Abel, the first children of Adam and Eve. start with Genesis chapter 4, 1 through 2. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Genesis 4, 1 and 2. So whether you believe the Bible is the word of God or not, all of this is grounded in reality. Um, each human exists because a man knew a woman in a sexual way. The idea that um, Adam knew his wife, uh, it doesn't mean, oh, I, I met you for the first time and you're a wonderful person. That's not what it means. It means that he knew her intimately in the sense that he um, knew what she was, God had created her for. And and that doesn't mean like um, head knowledge. It meant he put into practice what he knew about her. And that was that a woman, was her, his wife was created for intercourse and to produce offspring. Um, he was not in, ignorant of the function of their bodies. He knew um, that God had made her and it was a gift for him that he, could, he and his wife could produce offsprings. Um, here we find truths recorded in the Bible, and the Bible does not define it. A lot of people get all uptight, like, well, I don't care what the Bible says. Um, I, I, whatever I believe is true. And, and as if the Bible is defining sexuality, but it doesn't define sexuality. Uh, the Bible records what is true, and the um, what is true we find in nature. It's just the way it is. You cannot deny it that a man has a certain genitals and a woman has certain genitals, and and bodily functions that are designed. Even if you believe in evolution, there's a t intent purpose behind these organ and uh, their functions, and to deny these things is to deny reality. So the Bible just is affirming what is true. And of course, the Bible um, declares that it was God who created these functions. Um, so why is there a confusion about men and women today and their functions? Uh, here's, the, here's the lowdown on that, is a long time ago, well, not that long ago in history, very recently in history, um, people started denying the Bible as being a supernatural revelation, meaning that it revealed things about God and um, our world, the spiritual world in particular, that could not be known by natural revelation itself. And so, you know, people didn't want to believe in God. They didn't want to believe in heaven and hell and and a God who is just and accountable for us, so they rejected the Bible. But what's even worse now is now man's rejecting natural revelation because 
the bottom line is anything that speaks of a designer, a creator, a designer, men want to reject because if there is a designer and there is a creator, then we're accountable to that. You know, we can we can believe anything about the universe. We can believe it was created by nothing. We can believe just anything. We can believe any theory about how it came into existence except for one. And that would be there's a designer or a creator. And if you're honest with yourself, um, it's only because you do not want to be held accountable to a creator. Men with men, women with women, men who think they're women and so forth will never able be able to reproduce babies naturally. And if this nonsense does not stop, entropy will ensue and disaster awaits for the human race. It, and it may be in your lifetime and I really feel sorry for like my grandchild who's 10 months old and people who are very, very young are going to suffer the consequences of our stupidity. So <clears throat> the first children, I want to think about this. <clears throat> um, I mentioned that I had a grandchild who was uh, 12 months old and she was wonderful. And every time, every all three of my daughters, when they were born, it was seemed like a miracle that... Uh, my wife and I had this beautiful experience and then she was pregnant and out of her womb came this wonderful being. And and it just amazes me still with my grandchild. But could you imagine Eve? I mean, no human being had ever uh, brought forth a child. And so here they had this relationship and all of a sudden, you know, she brings forth this child and it's like, where did this thing come from? I mean, I just, I mean, think about it, try to meditate on that for just a little bit and think about how awesome that would be that, um, you know, that, that this system worked. There was a system that functioned like that and what the system actually produced is mind boggling. And I, I mean, to me, that's why I believe there's a God because uh, it's not that the Bible tells me there's a God, it's that nature tells me there's a God, that the world tells me there's a God. All these systems are so complex and so wonderful that I just can't imagine anything other than a God creating them. So then the next thing is, you know, she has two children. She has Abel, and so now there's these brothers, and we don't know how many other children um, Adam and Eve had bore at this time, but the story goes on in particular about two brothers, Adam, or um, Cain and Abel, and they both had two different occupations. Abel kept animals, um, and Cain worked the land. Both of these occupations were worthy. None of, neither were better than the other, because um, first of all, these jobs relied on one another. Um, Cain needed animals to help to till the soil. Um, they used animals to pull plows. Uh, um, and to do other laborious work that were hard for humans in agriculture. And then um, Abel needed um, to produce food um, for the people and for um, humans. And they also, humans needed clothing, and a lot of the clothing was from animal skin. So both of these occupations were noble, and they were intertwined with one another. So what then they bring forth their offering to God of these occupations. So the offering, 
Um, and in Genesis 3, or I'm sorry, Genesis 4, 3 through 5, it says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought forth the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstling of the flocks and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell. That's Genesis 4, 3 through 5. So at this point, um, there seems to be no difference between the importance of these offerings. Some have made Cain's um, uh, or Abel's offering a blood sacrifice and therefore better. But um, this is what Kyle Dillich's Old Testament commentary says about this. The reason for the different reception of the two offerings was that the state of the of the mind towards God with which they were brought and which manifested itself in the selection of the gifts, not indeed in the fact that Abel brought a bleeding sacrifice and Cain a bloodless one, for this difference arose from the difference in their calling and each necessarily took his gift from his the produce of his occupation. It was rather in the fact that Abel offered the fattest firstling of the flock, the best that he could bring, while Cain only brought for a portion of the fruit of the ground, but not the first fruits. So Kyle Dillich, you know, they were saying that Cain's, I mean, Abel's offering was better because it notes that he brought the first of the first fruits and the fat. In other words, the best part of the offering. And where Cain's offering was just regular produce, just what he had. It wasn't necessarily the best or the first. Um, and so, you know, God said, no, I, I don't, I'm not going to accept yours, Cain. And so, you know, we shouldn't begrudge God for wanting the best. Um, you know, there's an attitude that a lot of people have in this world. And whether they say it or not, it's they have it. It's why should I... Um, give to God. I earned it. It's mine. And, um, you know, God doesn't need what, what I have anyway. And he doesn't. And God doesn't want us to give the best and to give to him because he needs it or his pride demands it or his glory demands it. It's because we need to do it for ourselves, that we remind ourselves who is the creator of the universe. Who gives us the soil? Who gives us the plants? Who gives us the oxygen? Who gives us the mineral in the ground to create metals? And you know, it. One time I was driving along and I thought to myself, "This mouse sounds stupid, but think about it." Um, I, you know, I was. It was a very, very cold day where I lived, um, like minus some degrees, and I was so glad that there was a glass windshield because before they discovered kind of glass like that, um, you know, you rode an open horse or buggy or on a horse and that wind going against you would have just been frigid. But I was like, there's this, there's this thing that we've discovered we can make from the materials of the earth called glass that allows us to see through and yet protects us from the elements. And just that thought sounds, isn't that wonderful? I mean, I'm sure there's planets that don't have all of the things that are available to us on this earth that we have. And so, you know, just the amount that God gives us to remind us that it's, if God didn't give it to us, 
we wouldn't have it. You know, if think about it this way. If you needed a place to live and someone was generous enough to give you, to let you use their house, occupy a home they have, and would it be so wrong, um, it would be so wrong for you to forget that it was their home and abuse it and not take it, care of it, neglect it. Um, giving your best of what belongs to God is the right thing to do. And Jesus told us a story about this. It's found in Luke 29 through 16. Then began he to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and left it for two husbandmen and went into a far country for a long time. And at the season he sent his serv- a servant to the husbandmen that they should give him of the first of him of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandmen beat him and sent him away empty. And again, sent another servant, and they beat him also, and entreated him shamefully, and sent him away empty. And again, he sent a third, and they, wound, they wounded him also, and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son, that it may be they will reverence him when they shall see him. But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir, come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Wherefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen, and shall give them the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. So the story is this idea that Jesus is talking about the world belongs to God. And God just wants us to give a portion of what we generate from this earth and to remind ourselves that it is his and not ours. And and in the story, there were these husbandmen, which in this case at that time represented the nation of Israel because it was the nation of Israel that God um, gave to the Jews and the Jews were stewards of his nation, of his kingdom. And when um, God wanted them to tithe um, and to, um, to remember it was his kingdom, they refused to do it. That's what made David a great king. David was a, not a great king because he was more moral than Saul, because he did better things in, in, in the sense of morality than Saul. What David always remembered, if you read the story of David, was it wasn't his kingdom where Saul thought it was. It was God's kingdom. And in this case, they would refuse to give anything of the of of um, this kingdom to their to the owner of it. And in this case, we many refuse to give anything back to God from the world that they live in. And so. In this case, God sends his only begotten son, which is Jesus, and saying, "Will he comes and says, the kingdom of heaven is hand. And he wanted to bring forth the kingdom on the earth, but what did we do? We killed him. And so God says, I'm going to come and destroy those who um, will not honor me, and I will give it to those who will honor me. And that's, Christians are the ones who repent of their sin, real repent of wanting them their, to be Lord of themselves, the Lord of the earth, but repent and give that lordship over to Jesus and say, I will give you um, a portion of my blessings. 
Um, uh, so, you know, if we forget to give our portions, um, that, that we will forget everything belongs to Him. And if this bothers you, that, that you know, you're thinking, well, I don't want to give up anything to God. I don't want to tie to God. I don't, I'd rather spend it on myself and what I want. And that's a sign you need to repent. You need to repent and accept Jesus as Lord. And uh, because if you don't, you won't have any part of his kingdom and you will die and have nothing forever. But if you repent and enter into Jesus' kingdom, you will have abundance forever for eternity. <clears throat> and Abel must have understood this principle because he gave back to God his best, the first and the best of what he had. <clears throat> so something is wrong here. And we find this in Genesis 4, 5, and 7. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt not be accepted. Um, and if thou doest not well, I'm sorry, I think I read that wrong. If thou doest well, thou shalt not be be accepted. And if thou doest not well, I am yeah, sorry. I admit sometimes the King James being literal is a little bit hard. If thou doest well, thou shalt thou not be accepted. There, that's the question. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall his desire be, and thou shalt rule over him. Genesis 4, 5, and 7. <clears throat> there are people like this in the world all around us. Um, <clears throat> and maybe, I'm sorry, but maybe you're one of them where it, you always feel shortchanged. You always feel like you didn't get what others got and you deserve praise when, when others got praise and you didn't get the praise. And and sometimes people go to the extent of stealing because they believe they deserve more than what they have. And, and people have gone and killed people for covetousness for greed and um it's all because uh we think without putting forth the effort without doing the right thing we think we deserve stuff but that's just not the way the world works and that's not the way god works um it seems god did not but it, you know it seems god did not think um cain's uh offer was necessarily evil. It just wasn't good enough. And, you know, today we want to give a, a, a an award to everybody so no one feels like they've, you know, not done a good job. But that that's not a good way to teach people. You need to do the right thing in order to receive rewards. And so God gave Cain a chance. He didn't say, well, you blew it. That's it. You're done. No, he said, he said, you can you have a chance to make this right, King. You can go back and offer the first um the first fruits and give me your best. So God is a gracious God, and people just miss that. They all they do is focus on um when God has to do be just. And we deserve we don't think we should ever we're, we're ever worthy of punishment, but we are because we do do wrong things. And so when it says that God, that sin lieth at the door, when God said to 
Cain, if sin lies at the door, if you're not going to do right, it lies at the door. And that what's what is being pictured here is, is like a lion on the other side of that door, crouching, just ready to leap upon Cain if he opens the door. And uh, this scenario plays itself out again and again in the human race, all the time. People have a chance to do the right thing, but because of pride, they refuse to back up, and they open the door, and they're consumed by the sin. The sin overcomes them, and they find themselves in really bad situations. So, um, as long as you have life on this earth, you have a chance to repent and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And he can start. you can start to have eternal life, which will last forever. Otherwise, you're going to just... Sin is going to rule your life and it, you're going to abide in death. <clears throat> so Genesis 4, 8 and 12. And Cain talked with Abel and his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain, arose up, Cain rose up against his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is, is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? That infamous line that's used so many times. And he said, What hast thou done? The, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth out um, unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. And a fugitive and a vagabond, thou shalt be in the earth. <clears throat> so Cain made the wrong choice. And he killed his brother. And not only that, he plays the fool and gives God a sarcastic remark. I mean, just you want to heap things upon yourself. Well, that's what Cain did. And a lot of people do the wrong thing and then shake their fist at God. So God said his brother's blood cries out from the ground. What the meaning here is there's injustice is crying out. That you can cover up, you can try to cover up your wrongdoings. You can try to do everything you can um, to try to cover it up. I've seen these um, crime uh, movies or documentaries and uh, people try to cover up the murder scene and they'll go and try to wash the blood away. But, you know, they use that luminol and even if they can find one speck of blood um, that and then they test that blood for DNA, that blood crieth out and says... He's the one who killed me. And God doesn't need DNA. And he doesn't need luminol or whatever it's called. God knows. The, the ground calls out to God. Not just for blood, like in the sense that we kill people. But everything we do that's wrong, that's harmful to ourselves and to other, it cries out to God. There's justice that needs to be done here. Um and meditating on that statement, um, if you do, it'll, you'll come to a greater understanding of God's justice. That, that the blood of Cain cried out to God from the ground and all our sin is constantly crying out to God day and night saying, when will justice come? Um, <clears throat> every wrong that we do needs justice and everyone sees clearly the need for justice when they have been wrong. Um, if you ever had anything stolen from you, if you've ever had anybody 
um, say a lie, tell people a lie about you, and you find out you feel it, you feel it, and you want so much there to be justice, and you may go around and tell people the wrong that's been done unto you because you're looking for justice. But we don't want to see um, justice when it needs to happen towards us for our wrongdoings. <clears throat> we all want to pretend that the world is good. You know, as long as it's not affecting us, everything's well. Why would God be upset? And why would God have to punish people? You know, we, we have such a twisted and distorted view because we don't want to reconcile our sin with God. But that's what we need to do. And whether we do it <clears throat> right now with Jesus Christ um, or we do it later, it will be reconciled. And if we do it now with Jesus Christ, it's going to be forgiven. But if we wait till the end and we reject the offering of reconciliation of God taking our sins and pouring those injustices upon His Son and not upon us, um, then we're going to have to bear that punishment. Um, and so, what we need to do is the right thing. Think about it. You need to do the right thing. This story was a story a long time ago. Um, there's human beings. I don't doubt this story. Um, there's a lot of things that could have taken place, but in the past that we're unaware of. Um, and I don't want to get into all those ideas. All I'm trying to say is recognize that there are we are humans. We're moral agents. We, we understand right from wrong, unlike animals do. Um, and we feel a sense of justice. And so um, we, need to, we need to think about these things and we need to ask ourselves, you know, it, when... When someone does something wrong to you and you feel angry, just tell yourself, like, I shouldn't feel angry. There's no reason for me to feel angry because there's no such thing as justice. There is no such as right, right or wrong. Um, I don't know why I feel this way, but it's silly, and I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to ever want to punish anybody. I don't even know why we have police officers because if someone kills someone, there's no right and wrong. I mean, you know that you know what I'm saying is stupid. And the reason you know it's stupid is because in your heart, you know that there is a sense of order and justice in the universe. And if there's a sense of justice and order in the universe, then there has to be one who set up that, um, <clears throat> the, the laws that dictate those things. And you need to repent to that one, that, that God. And he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into the world that whosoever believeth on him should not perish. <clears throat> and uh, he that believeth on him has life, and he that believeth on not on him has, does not have life. It's just as simple as that. And this story, like I said, it took place a long time ago. <clears throat> but my people will say it's old, it's it's not relevant. That that's that is the silliest thing you could ever say because what you're saying is, um, I I need what's relevant for me. Who cares about people in the past? This story is old because people from all ages needed to know this principles and what took place. We need to learn, like they say, if you, if you don't learn from history, it'll repeat itself. Well, this history is old and it's been told over and over again and 
People need to learn from it. They need to learn from the past. You need to learn from it today. You know, I love teaching the Bible. I don't think I'm profound. I do think I come up with some thoughts that aren't often discussed because I'm willing to tackle those things. I don't have a church. Um, Many pastors would say certain things, but they know that half the church would agree with them and half wouldn't, and it would split the church, so they keep their mouth shut. Many people who have big ministries have dug themselves into a deep pit, and if they start changing anything, they're going to lose a ton of their supporters. I have none of that. I'm an op- I am an I can go wherever the truth leads me, and I plan on staying that way. I don't care if I lose people. I don't care. I mean, I want to gain people. I want people to listen. But I just want to follow truth, and I don't have to worry about splitting a church or losing people out of my ministry because really I'm starting out and I don't have a lot of people following me. But I would appreciate it if you would. I appreciate it if you would tell others about it. You would share it. And if you would even support it, I would like to do this more. And so if you could be generous enough to share with me, and I'll put a link to my um, to my uh, <clears throat> Patreon account in the in the um, comments below that you could share um, uh, some fruits with me, some blessings with me. I, I ask that you would subscribe to my podcast and like this or my video, which also becomes a podcast, and that you would um, like this video. Thank you so much. You have a great day. God loves you. I do too. Bye.